All right, guys, Top Bins with Twins. We're checking in for our therapy session of the week. This is um, for everybody, I'm sure, listening, experiencing on this podcast, a lot lower point total than we expected. And I know I'm a little down in the dumps. How are we feeling, Kyle and Luke? Yeah, and to start out with Kyle, welcome for joining us on the pod. Um, really happy to have you as a second time visitor to the podcast. So thanks for joining us. Um, Kyle, how's your week been? Uh, Spain without the S. Feel <laughs> uh, that. Um, yeah, I am currently sitting on, I think, my lowest ever total of 11 points luckily oh, yeah. <laughs> luckily hear that those footsteps are creeping up behind you <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I, catch you I, I feel like you this week paul because every single person on my bed bench other than maddie t returned for me and mm-hmm. the only person that returned in my team is leno with one point <laughs> with with one extra point he got three overall but, is it um, not so frustrating when that happens? Oh, yes, it, it's it's terrible. Um luckily I do have um Trippier coming off my bench for oh god. Um so that'll bump me to 20, but then I have Gordon on my bench with 7 points, which that was just kind of a risk. And then Kabore's on my bench with eight points, which who would have foreseen that? So, you know, we had a we had a rough week, but it happens. We move. Just drop my overall rank by a hundred thousand, but we're good. Ouch! That oh, yeah. one, that one definitely hurts. I mean, but really, there's nothing that you could have really done, right? I mean, who could have foreseen Holland blanking? One second, I gotta let the dog out. But Holland blanking is oh, God, Luke. Salah with Luton blanking. Just, I mean, he, he should not have that, right? No, he should not have. Dar- Darwin Nunez, <laughs> miss of the season, dude. I don't know. Did you see two? Did you see? I guess Kyle, you didn't get to watch all the Chelsea and um, Tottenham game, but like, okay, Jackson had a hat trick today, but he easily could have had five, like. I did see I did see a couple. I had it on while I was working and saw a couple chances where he was like one on one and he you know, but chances he should put away. But I mean also Vicario had a great game and, and he kept him in it for, for quite some time. So Good. props to him. I, I don't think four goals is reflective on his effort, just kind of mm-hmm. how the game went. Yeah, 100% agreed. I think, um, I guess we could dive in a little later on that whole match, but like, I don't know. I think that like Vicario, like he deserved to have a clean sheet for that match. Like he was phenomenal. And honestly, kind of somebody that like, I mean, we'll have to see how Tottenham plays out with injuries and everything, but there's a lot of question marks around. I'd say everybody's FPL team right now. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a great point, Paul. But going back to Spurs, do you all think that that red for Romero, do you think that's justifiably a red in your opinions? Okay, Paul, your hand's up. Go ahead. Easily. And you know how I feel about Chelsea because... (laughs) 
for those who are on the podcast, Paul <laughs> just held up a sign saying F Chelsea. But it, it, it doesn't just F. and it doesn't just have one letter. It's all four letters. <laughs> it says four letters and it rhymes with duck, just so everybody knows. But anyways, I Romero, like to me, the challenge, it's in the box. He does win the ball, he clears it, but I mean he ends up on the inside of Enzo's ankle and like that's just a crazy dangerous place to end up like I'm sorry but like I know he cleared it he won the ball but like to me there has to be like he went in flew into that like I think it's a pen I think it's a red too I mean he was lucky not to be sent off like 10 minutes before like I mean that was soft that that one no that one he did not deserve to be sent off that, that was just sensationalized no he did kick out, but he barely touched him. I there's no world that should be a red. But in the whole context of the whole schematics of the Premier League, we know what kind of player Romero is. Yeah, but like you can't is, judge him based on that. But like, I don't know. Like referees are human; they see things. Like they they understand what goes on behind all this stuff. Like, I mean, to me, if we're just looking at the challenge by itself, it's a red. We don't have to discuss everything else. But like. To me, it's a red. And see, I, I, Paul, I I actually think kind of the opposite. So I, I guess in the letter of the law, yes, I think it's a red card. Do I agree with it? No. Um, And here's why. More for the fact that in the box, he's going to clear the ball. And two players coming full kind of force into each other Mm -hmm. that he's going to clear the ball and just trying to get it out, kind of lift it because there's a player right in front of him. So he's got to get under it. And Enzo is second to the ball. So he pulls up and he's rewarded for that because he pulled up that Romero wins the ball. And because he wins the ball, he follows through. Whereas if Enzo tries and goes, like, puts his foot in for the ball, they probably both hit the ball at the same time, and that challenge doesn't happen. So so for me, I don't like the fact that he's second to the ball and pulls up that he gets rewarded for that. Whereas I think the first challenge is more likely to be a red card where he intentionally kicks out. And I think that, you know, referees should probably more be more stern in that aspect. Also, like, towards last week when Anthony just did not go for the ball and just tried to kick out at Doku. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that could be – I think that's more of a grounds for, like, if referees wanted to try and eliminate that from the game. It is a little soft. I'd be pissed if that happened to City, but – if that's what you're going for, like technically I think that's more endangering the opponent than what happened today with Romero, which I think is just a byproduct of him trying to clear. And that's just the game. Yeah. I I think that's really well said. Um, And really ultimately through this entire Chelsea Tottenham match, my main takeaway with all this for the first time ever, I was really questioning if VAR should even be implemented. Right, because it's taking so long and you've seen them make these repeated mistakes. 
where these people and people is why they're making mistakes because all this human error is just getting to be too much, right? And now because they've made all those mistakes, they're having to take five minutes with an easy offside call that someone's off by two or three feet. They're still checking every single angle. It's just it's getting to be too much, really, because you can't enjoy the matches, right? Because it's so delayed. Yeah, just, I'm, I saw um, I saw a tweet at halftime that had the layout of all the different things that happened in that first half. This, I'm not going to read it, but it's essentially like eight different things that they took to VAR and looked at. And like the first half was very chaotic, but it's it's way too much at this point, you know? It is. Yep, I completely agree. Um, and the chaotic nature of the Chelsea and Tottenham match really kind of displays, I think it's a great analogy for this weekend as an entirety, right? Especially tying it into FPL. Because if you look at it, the average out of the top 10K currently was 28.4 points. Oh, shit. How crazy is that, right? That's just a historically terrible week. And if we go back and think about our team selection, who's in our teams, people would easily expect to, you know, from an optimistic perspective, expect to double their points that they have right now. So it's just really bad luck and makes for a very long week going into the next game week. Also, can we talk about Holland for a second? We can kind of bounce around a little bit, but Man City scores six goals and Holland is not involved with any of them being he went off at 45. But like, what are the odds? It's like when Liverpool scored, what, nine last year and Solid didn't have a single goal involvement. Like, how does how does this stuff happen? Like, as an FPL owner, I'm like, if honestly, if this week, if Holland would have got two goals, all of our Kyle, you captain Holland, right? Correct. Yeah. And look at two. So, like, all of our ranks would have gone up so much because, I mean, I'm sure cap- captaincy was a little spread out this week with Sala and everything. I don't know the effective ownership of Holland this week or Sala, but like, our ranks would have skyrocketed if we would have got even one Holland result in this low point total week, you know? Uh, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that because I think so many people own Holland. It just would have pushed the average up, right? And he was definitely the most captain player this week. I think he was around something like 60 to 70%. Um, wow. So it, it, it Listeners, back it up and don't listen to my point. <laughs> it would have been nice, right? I mean, good to at least see some points on the board, but I don't know if it would have made a huge difference for, say, like overall rank gains, you know? Okay, fuck me. <laughs> I just, I, I just think it, it's one of those weeks. I mean, yeah. a lot of, a lot of upsets more this week. That you know, not, not really necessarily upsets, but results that people didn't see coming, and people who typically score and are in, and are in a lot of people's teams didn't score. So, like, you got to think, Man United almost drew to Fulham nil-nil, which mm-hmm. came down to extra time, barely an extra time. But then, like, Everton tying Brighton, wouldn't have expected that. Newcastle, Brighton, Brighton shouldn't have scored. Really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was – what was it? That was an own goal, correct? Is yeah, Matoma played, yeah. played a ball in, and Ashley Young was the second defender. It's off his thigh. Just loops over Peter's head, which is bye, bye Paul. Um, <laughs> but then, 
Sheffield United be beating Wolves. I wouldn't have expected that with the form Wolves are on. Me neither. Newcastle Arsenal. Get back. Get back. Get back. <laughs> we can honestly, hear you, Paul. <laughs> honest, honestly, would have been um, like not too surprising, but you would have thought that it would have been one-one or mm-hmm. Arsenal would have scored and Newcastle wouldn't have. Not too, too surprising, but still something to look at. Nottingham Forest being Aston Villa, I think, was a big one. And then Luton drawing to Liverpool. I think Sunday's fixtures were where a lot of people were looking at, hoping to get some big points with Diaby, Watkins, Salah, you know, and then Simicas on the bench. Where, and then subs on. And then he subs on. So <laughs> it's... You know, it it's just stuff that happens. It's it's just one of those game weeks. I think Luke, was it you who going into this game week said that you thought you were gonna have a bad one and I did, right? And here I we was are expecting to get blown out of the water by especially Salah. Like Salah was the player who I was most fearful of going in this week. Yeah, and it's it's funny how that stuff works because I had Salah captained up until 30 minutes before deadline and I switched over to Holland just because I'm thinking to myself that right now I'm in first place in our mini league Mm -hmm. that I should play it safe. And this is a favorable matchup for Holland. We all learned, I learned last year. I think we all learned last year that if Holland has an opponent where it seems like he can score three goals, he will. Um, he will. Yeah, especially yeah. at home. At the Etihad, he is, he's, you know, usually a machine. And I think if I would have captained Salah, that he would have scored. <laughs> How it goes. But he should have. Easily. Should have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I, I could have taken one for the team, guys, and, and captained Salah, so you guys could have <laughs> did this week. But no, it's just, I mean, it's it's one of those game weeks I don't, I'm interested. I've already made my transfers for next week, mm-hmm. but that's rough. It was yeah, rough. I'm, I'm going to so like speaking on Holland, I was really considering triple captaining him this week. I was, you know, up until the deadline, I was in my head, like, what are the positives? What are the negatives? And ultimately, I just I felt like it wasn't enough of an advantage. Right. Just because it just something didn't feel right. I still expected him to return, but I didn't feel like it was reliable enough. Um, and luckily I held the chip and still have it in my back pocket. So he did this once or twice last year, too, where City would blow an opponent out of the water and they're up three nil, four nil at halftime. And Holland does not have a goal contribution and they take them off at half. I mean, it's just. Yeah. That time of the year where fixtures are starting to stack up, we all know about Pep Roulette that Holland has been kind of immune to it, where he will start. But if they're coasting, he'll get taken off at halftime because he's important, especially now with this tweak of an injury. I know he was in training this week. I don't expect it to act FPL too much, but I feel like he's going to sit out midweek in the championship. Yeah, he'll probably who do, who do they have in Champions League? Uh, there, let me check real quick, but I be, I think it's an away fixture, but I can't remember who they played last. Um, isn't it? Is it got a brace? Is it Copenhagen? Who? No, that's United. 
Yeah, that's City tomorrow. They're playing young boys. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but really, like I, I don't know. The the player that I'm really interested to see what his transfers in and out are like is Alvarez. Because what is that? Three blanks in a row, I think. I think it's th- I know it's two for sure, but probably three in a row. I um, can tell you he's in my team. Let's see. <laughs> um this week he blanked. Last week he blanked, so that's two. Two two game weeks in a row because mm-hmm. against who they play against Brighton he did score, and the bonus points. Yeah, so and then you see you see Foden returning, right? But I I think City has some difficult fixtures coming up, so I think a lot of managers will be moving on from him, and probably the transfer that I imagine a lot of people will make is just go Alvarez to Enketia with Arsenal's upcoming fixtures. That seems like it's going to be very popular um, coming up soon. Yeah, that's. Um, I think I have that one kind of running around my head a little bit. Alvarez out? No, I don't have Alvarez. Moving towards um, Eddie. Right, yeah. It just yeah. kind of makes sense with the run of fixtures. We know he's going to be starting at the nine, most likely. So, Yeah, I mean... Arteta is turning in to be more unpredictable than Pep at this point. You just don't know who's going to play. I guess we could, I mean, like, honestly, looking around at FPL, like, right now, it's kind of a wasteland. Like, I think if somebody, like, I think me and Luke both have our wild cards still to play for this segment of the season. And I don't even know who I would wild card at this point. Like, there's not a team with excessively good run of fixtures, which Kyle was smiling on the pod because he wild carded earlier and it worked out very well for him. But like, I I really don't know what I would do if I wild carded. Like, there's, I mean, I think West Ham have a pretty good run going forward. Arsenal do too, and and then after that, it's kind of like maybe Brighton do, which they've been so up and down lately. Well, Paul, would you so with this wild card talk? Would you be thinking of using your wild card soon? I mean, there's a lot of injuries in teams now, and Holland. Yeah, I I like my layout for um. I did like my layout for next week. But with Madison going down, that gives me three players flagged in my team. And I don't want any blanks. So, but I also have two transfers rolling into next week. So there's a lot of questions running around my little head. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't have a set in stone plan, but like wildcard is a possibility. Yeah, I, I would imagine that next week there's going to be a massive amount of negative force taken, probably even some negative eights and maybe even a negative 12 here and there, but a lot of teams are going to be in tough, tough shape. I think everybody in our mini leagues just go for negative 24s. <laughs> That's what I would recommend. I think it's a full sin at this point. Like make a break, like go for it. This is crunch time in the season, Paul. Yeah. I mean, we're going into match week 12. I mean, there's only 38 game weeks. I mean, there's not much time left. You got to be really, really, really send it. Not much time. Hey, I'm not scared of those footsteps I hear, Paul. The season's almost over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just for our non-mini league people, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but if you're in the mini league, this is great advice. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, do it. Jerry who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I don't know. There's, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, like, I think one of the teams that was super exciting like three or four weeks ago is Newcastle. And they've just been decimated by injuries. Like, Burn apparently is going to be out with back problems for a while now. So, 
I mean, their injury was... He's, they said he's not going to be back until after the holidays. Good God. I mean, that's... I mean, who do they have that's going to play that? Uh, okay, so then this this creates another interesting topic, right? Does that mean Trippier goes and plays left back? Oh, and I hope not. If he's... Which, it's very... That's what he did in the match. And then they brought in Livermonte. So if he's playing left back, is he worth the price at that point? I would argue probably not. I, I think, personally, I'm giving him one more week and then i think i'm transferring away from him just because of his price point uh mm-hmm. they have Bournemouth, which is a favorable fixture for them hopefully he can keep a clean sheet maybe get a goal contribution or two but yeah i mean with his price point look i, I have gordon in my team at the moment which luckily i got in i at five I believe you got you got him really early on. Yeah, I got him right before he started. I got him the week that uh, who's Harvey Barnes got injured. So yeah, and then he subbed on, got what was a brace, right, and got a goal. And now he he's been influential. He's he's done well, and he's kind of proven that it's his spot to lose at this point. So yeah, he's looks so good. I've been really impressed. Yeah, I think at his price point that I have him at 5.5, I'd rather take that punt to get into Newcastle's fixtures mm-hmm. than Trippier's uh, six-something that he's at. He's up to seven now. He's risen that many times, I think. Um, but you are losing some team value there by taking him out. But in the long run, because I think you got you got him decently early on, so you probably have some value with him. Um, but really, like just with how crippled their defense is, it feels like Newcastle's defense is really hard to hold on to at this point. Yeah. And let's see. So they have um, it goes next week's good for them. They play Bournemouth, I mean, but they have Dortmund. They have Dortmund midweek in a almost must win, and they are going to Dortmund. Yeah. So, that's an emotionally draining, really difficult test for them. And then yeah. you play Bournemouth on Saturday. So that's not much time to bounce back. I mean, when they when they have to see the best player in the world midweek, what are they going to do? Gio <laughs> just like whipping through that midfield. No, no, no. Here's what Gio's going to do. Sit there. Because <laughs> he's not going to get in. I'm telling you, it's Terzic. He's just... He's... We, can we just not... I'm still recovering from this weekend. Why did that flip? Did you see that? It's it's not you, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, guys. But, like, I Trippier, I will say, yeah, Trippier at that price point after next week may be a sell. I think that's going to be really popular and something that I'm definitely considering personally. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um. All right, let's see. Can we talk about the Arsenal-Newcastle game for a second? Sure. Arsenal fan, lead the way. I want to hear your all's thoughts because I'll make it very clear. That goal should not have stood. There's no there's no world in which it should have. It's rigged. I'm fully with Arteta. We're riding that one into the sunset. But, like, what do you all think as non-Arsenal fans? Because my my view is just jaded, and but it's also right, too. But Kyle, you're the guest. Lead the way. Gosh, okay. Um, 
I will fight you on this. I think no, I um, I just think that it shows how far that the league has to come with VAR, and I don't necessarily think refereeing in general. I think we've seen a decline in refereeing standards because of the implementation of VAR that refs are going to let more go and just leave it up to VAR because that's how they're being taught how to referee now. Um, So I think just the implementation of a few simple kind of things that I don't understand why ownership or the premier league or whoever is not voting again voting with this but number one is we have goal line technology why don't we have that for the entire touch line totally agree totally agree we now have had two instances this season where we're looking at angles and People are pulling up different angles where it looks like the ball's in and then another angle where it looks like the ball's out. And then you always get the announcers being like, oh, the pitch lines aren't a perfect straight line. You can't use it. And and it's like, you know, it is camera angles and everything because the ball, like very rarely are we going to have a camera angle like straight down the line. But I mean, if we have the technology, like the Premier League is supposed to be the best league in the world. Why? And it doesn't have to be on on the sides just on the goal you know we have goal line technology just expand it all the way across because that seems where you know the controversies are ha- controversy controversial calls are happening but um number two is that i don't know why they voted against the automated um offline oh, offsides that they use yeah. in the world so yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I, no, I don't. Okay, so I don't understand why they would possibly not have an automated system where they <clears throat> on side or it's offside. It's out of bounds. It's in bounds. Like, why? Why is it that? Why is it that hard? Okay, so I, I looked into this right after that match. I was like, surely there's a reason why. And the clubs are able to vote, right? They have an annual meeting where they vote on different issues like this. I believe it was, right? What? The ownership voted against that this season. If they voted if, against it back in 20, I think we know who's to blame for this. <laughs> Chelsea are just the worst. <laughs> just so everybody knows, I was holding up my um, duck Chelsea sign. Okay, but right, the reason why they voted against semi, it's called semi-automated offsides. They voted against it at that point in time in 2021, the very end of 2021, because they said the technology was going to be outdated and they did not trust that it would be able to be reliable. So this is why they're stuck with the current system of people trying to draw lines who don't know how to draw lines or know what the fuck the call is on the field before the simple geometry like come on it's not even really geometry like the premier league makes billions of dollars in revenue and they cannot implement this it's just it's mind-blowing to me yeah yeah um but do you all think the gabriel challenge at the back post do you all think that was a foul 
like whenever Gabriel got taken out by Joe Linton at the back post. That's I what I really have a problem with. I thought it was. I thought he went straight into his back. And even behind that, right, it's possible that it was his arm that played the ball as well. We couldn't get a good camera angle on it. And then you can't get the camera angle on the offsides possibly to Gordon. So I, I thought personally that he did go into his back, jumped with a lot of force. And I thought it probably should have been called a foul, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I guess it's up to interpretation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough for me. Um, I, know, I know you're not going to like to hear this, but I think with the current state of VAR and their technology, I think they probably came to the correct call. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... There's a couple things that, like, I mean, we, we can, I think we all have our own idea of like what VAR should be there for. But for me, I thought VAR, in, in my mind, is that I think VAR is supposed to be there for clear and obvious errors. It's not supposed to start the game, stop the game, start the game, stop the game. Like, let's take five minutes and draw some lines to see if this is offsides. Like, I think it's supposed to be like you look at a picture and and this might come up with very controversial things. But like I think it should be like look at a picture. The officials on the field should go back to what it was before. And like if they think it's offsides, hold up the flag and like stop the play. I know that it's like difficult, but like that way they can. And then if, if, if it's a goal they just pull it up and like they look and they'll be like if it's close be like not clear and obvious go with the call on the field or like a foul like the joe linton one like the ref on the field if he thinks if he thinks it's a foul he should call it then and i think that's the problem with it is that refs are letting people get away with more because they're just like well if it was a foul it'll go to var and then we can check it which i understand it's like a safety blanket. Like it can be seen as a good thing, but I just, to me, I think it's caused officiating standards to drop because they're just letting so much go. And then once they go to see it, it's like, you know, is it a foul? Is it not a foul? Why didn't you call it a foul on the field? And and I think that's really what it should be. Not VAR being like, we think this is a foul. I think it should be a conversation be like, well, why don't you think it was a foul on the field? And if they say like, I couldn't see it, or they'll be like, I think it was minimal contact. That that should be the call. And yeah. Another another big part of sorry, Paul. Another big part of VAR that really frustrates me. I do not think the VAR official who is separated from the match, who's reviewing these calls, he should not be a match official, right? Yeah. I think that's a big part of it as well. You see these, you know, speculations and rumors about. You know, it's a fraternity. They're trying to protect each other and make calls to where they don't look too bad. That should not even be in question. I think the people who are making those calls, drawing the lines, doing those reviews for VAR, they should be completely segmented away from the rest of the general referees who are actually doing matches and they're in person. Mm -hmm. I think that would help, you know, seem more transparent not as much speculative, you know, whatever people want to think is going on between them. And I think that would help out a lot, right? Um, 
I don't know. VAR okay. has a lot of options. So go ahead. Also bringing up all that, I think another thing VAR should really be used for is like people like elbowing people in the back of the head in the middle of open play. Like that's insane to me that he wasn't sitting They, did. they checked it. They checked it. I don't know what the hell they're looking at. Like that's clear and obvious. They cleared it, right? In the match, they went through, cleared it, and said it was fine. Okay. I didn't watch the match live because I was day drinking, but um, like I don't understand how you missed that. Like, I mean, that's simple. Like, and yeah, obviously, like I'm not for people being sent off for stuff like Randley, like you saw what happened today in the Tottenham Chelsea match. Like when people get sent off, like the match kind of just goes to shit and you lose the spectacle of it and everything. But like as an Arsenal fan, there's no way Jorginho should be elbowed in the back of the head and play just continues. But okay, it, it's the nature of the foul as well, right? Just completely unnecessary. It goes out of his way to hit him. That's why I think VAR should intervene, right? It was unnecessary. And what was it? Um, it's unnecessary and dangerous or something like that. And that that could be, right? Backlift, yeah. I don't know. Um, do we want to pivot and maybe like talk about the fixtures for next week? Something that we think sure. we could maybe target. Um, Kyle, do you want to start out by telling us who you transferred in already? No, you don't actually, Kyle, you don't have to. Like in our minute. Yeah, don't, don't, let's not do that. Yeah, I won't tell you who I transferred in, but um if this has been something I've been struggling with a little bit these past couple of weeks. And I think a lot of it has to do with currently like my team values, like 103. So I've gotten very lucky with transferring people in before they rise. Like I think my highest riser is like Julian Alvarez. I think I got him at 6.7 early, like week two after I saw KDB got injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's risen to 7.2 and that's is limiting me because I don't want to transfer him out. But um, this week I did transfer out Madison and I did that shortly after the game. Um, him being injured and then also with, I mean, a number of injuries that happened today for Tottenham, mm-hmm. their kind of upcoming run of fixtures. I've been tripled up on Tottenham for a while. It's worked out so far. Um, But now this is kind of their first face of adversity. So it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Uh, Keeping Sun in there, and I I still do have Yudogi, who will be out next week. But uh, I do still have those two in. And then um, I transferred out uh, Foster because I brought him in from Burnley for – thought what was going to be like a good run of fixtures for Burnley but he has not played yeah it's it's weird that illness he I mean, something pretty serious going on I guess but yeah, I mean not a big Burnley supporter I don't know what illness he has I haven't seen I haven't read any um press conferences from them or anything but he's been out for two weeks which I thought he would have returned in so I, I I've transferred him out um brought in a lower price striker to bring in another kind of higher price midfielder. The only thing that I'm struggling with with Madison is that I'm hoping that he is not hoping that he's hurt, but I'm hoping that, you know, maybe this injury, they might be cautious with him and, and maybe limit his minutes and limit his impact and returns and everything because I, I had him at a lower price point And I think 
it, I probably lost about like 0.3 or 0.4 by transferring him out. Mm-hmm. Um, that if I want to bring him back in, that it's going to be very difficult. I'm going to have to drop someone that yeah. I don't want to. Or, I mean, I am going to transfer out Trippier here soon, I think. So that should free up some cash if I do want to bring him back. But Yeah. But conversely, the good thing, too, is moving early on whoever you brought in. More than likely, whoever you brought in is probably going to go up at least 0.1 um, within the next week or so. Yes. Uh, so that is, that's a big plus, right, for that. You can make some of that back up over time. So um, question for you all. Do you think Vanderbilt getting hurt or Madison getting hurt just like on surface value, not link the time they're out and everything, but like which one do you think actually is more detrimental to the Spurs? Um, Depends on your Spurs assets. I think Van de Ben going out, I think hurts you Dobie's potential because either one, they're going to, I mean, he's not going to have as many clean sheets Yeah, based off of what, what I've seen of, um, their defense so far and him being such a important part, but also his speed getting back that I think it's caused you to, a lot. to be able to travel farther forward a little bit. And if maybe one time they get exposed by pace at the back that you might have to sit back a little further or just even think about like, have that little doubt in his mind. Like I can't venture forward. I have to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a great point, Kyle. And with Udogi, too, I mean, he's going to be out for the next fixture, right? And with Wolves away, that's somewhat of a good fixture. That's a tough, I think it's a tough fixture. No, on, on surface value, definitely. But Wolves have been a lot better than I thought they would be this season. No, I agree. I, I think it's a tough fixture for Spurs. Like, Yeah, right. And I, I agree. But he's going to be out for that. So, But then after that, Tottenham go Villa and then City. Right in cities at the Etihad, so that's going to be really difficult for them. Etihad, you mean? <laughs> I think Madison's more important, though. <laughs> I, I I think yeah. it's more important for their attacking side. Be the reason I think Madison is so important is by Madison going out. I think that drastically decreases Son's value. Yeah. Think about all these teams that are paired up with Madison and Son. Say you have Madison out and you don't know if he's going to play or not, but now you're really worried about Son's route to points. How is he going to get played through? Like Tottenham is a good team, right? And I don't doubt that, but I think Madison's the one who really unlocks Son as a striker. Um, so I'm not, I don't know what they're going to do really. I mean, they could drop Son back farther and put Richarlson back up front. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, like, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like honestly, I, I mean I, I think Ainge has shown that he'll try shit. And I mean, like they could throw, I mean, Brennan Johnson out on the left wing and Richarlson up front and Son tucked underneath because he can create like that too. Yeah. Which as a Son owner, I mean, there's a lot of like I think he's for sure possibly on the, the list to be moved this week for me because there's just so many questions around him and he eats up a big price point and the fixtures are kind of changing a little bit and there's a lot of injuries, so he could be on the way out, even though he's been great for my club. Like he's been awesome, but you probably don't have too much value tied up in him either. Um, so yeah. that 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 makes making a move pretty easy. Yeah, no, it's possible. Yeah, and he by the time you want to go back to him, maybe he's dropped in value too, right? You can get yeah. him a little bit. Um, Agreed. So what um what other fixtures do we want to? By the way, it's really weird that on Sunday 
there's four games that all kick off at I think nine o'clock Eastern. And there's only one game, Chelsea and Man City after that at, at 11.30. Yeah, that is different. Like four four matches at the same time Sunday morning. That's kind of odd. There, I don't remember what game week it is, but there's one coming up where all of the fixtures are on Saturday and all starting at the same time. I think it's game week like 14 or 15. Yeah, I, I think it just has to do with this, you know, the start of the uh, holiday fixtures and yeah. Club competitions and, and everything that, I mean, you got to see City play. I mean, I, I guess this doesn't really matter because Arsenal and United are also. It's kind of interesting because don't United and Arsenal play Wednesday, and then uh, which United and Arsenal? Yeah, midweek. Yeah, I think I think they're midweek fixtures Wednesday, and then both of them play Saturday. And City's midweek fixture is Tuesday, and they play Sunday. Yeah. This is this is um, also a thing too that um, for all the listeners out there that maybe your first year playing FPL is that whenever we get like those Tuesday Wednesday fixtures coming in, it's kind of hard to remember to set your team sometimes, which sounds like a very simple thing, but you have to be very aware of it because if you're waiting till Friday to make transfers and you want to see what happens, you may miss the deadline. So just be aware of where those deadlines sit on your FPL app. Yeah, now now that the the holidays are coming up. <laughs> We have a, uh, ah, I'm sorry for everybody. Flash is just a good little guard dog. Um, but to to Flash, no. Go ahead, Kyle. To answer your original question, Paul, I think favorable fixtures this week on paper: uh, Arsenal against Burnley, yes. United against Luton. Newcastle, Bournemouth, and then and that's that's really it. I mean, yeah, Villa. I don't see Villa against Fulham. Just Fulham played well against United. I know that they're United, but you you don't know kind of game week in and out. But they do have quality, and after Aston Villa showing last week, don't necessarily know. Brighton had a bad game week, so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Liverpool, Brentford. I mean, Brentford are solid. I, I think people kind of underestimate Brentford, and I think that might be a difficult. Brentford Liverpool. have been very up and down this year. So yeah, I think you could see you could see that game really going either way. I have no judge on that. Luke, you look like you want to. Say I that. think with Brentford, their issue was Rico Henry's injury. Right, they're playing really well, and then when he got injured, they had to adapt and change how they're playing a little bit because he was so forward and progressive for them. And now you see them kind of fully adapting and changing because they've had a good run the last couple of weeks. And luckily, Mbomo has returned really well, and that's really kept my team afloat at this point. Right, without him, I'd be on a sinking ship. <laughs> you are you are leaking water a little bit, but you're um, you're still paddling along. At least a lot of the boats in the water have holes in them now as well. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, I honestly, I really kind of do like the West Ham Nottingham Forest fixture. I've been really big on Bowen, and he was in my team early, came out for a while, and now I think I, I would love to pivot back to Bowen. I think you're going to see a lot of people maybe moving from Spurs assets, Madison or Son, to possibly Bowen. I that I think that's fair, right? And this week, what I see in a lot of these good kind of idealistic fixtures, a lot of these teams are playing at home. 
right? When we look at Villa, the Villa's at home, and they are a completely different side whenever they're at home in Birmingham as opposed to when they're away. Like, they looked actually they looked okay against Forrest. It wasn't that they looked terrible, but they just couldn't piece it together fully. Um, but I am hoping and praying that Hoyland figures it out somehow with Luton at home um, because he's just been a terrible transfer for me. It's been, it's been bad. He's had chances, right. But just hasn't put the ball in the back of the net. And that's really what we need. But I think Arsenal is going to be the biggest target this, this week um, yeah. with Burnley at home. Who would you target, Luke, for Arsenal? Um, I think Enkati in- is really popular. Uh, I think Saka, it would probably be Enkati or Saka, one of those two. Um, and then Martinelli definitely is really – Martinelli had the majority of their possession, was really their main progressive ball carrier against Newcastle. So Martinelli is an interesting one. He hasn't had a good season up to this point. Well, at least what we expect from him after last year. He has been injured for part of it too. So that right, there's... and there's that. But I think sneakily, Martinelli could be a really good shout for this week against Burnley. Yeah. yeah. Be right back. He has the ability to easily have a brace any given week. I mean, he he's just very like depending on matchup and everything, and but. I will say, I don't know if I love Martinelli as an asset at this point because he seems to play a lot better with Jesus. He just seems to play a lot better that way because the the build-up play between them is a lot easier for some reason. I, I think Eddie sometimes struggles with that. But obviously, I mean, he's developing. Hopefully, he keeps going this week, that clinical aspect that we really need to see up front from an Arsenal perspective, even just as an FPL owner looking at Arsenal. Like, I mean... Eddie's price point makes them really easy to get to. You can move there and save money and then move somewhere else in your midfield. So just depending on what people need in their teams, I, I do think Arsenal is a good matchup this week. And also, I mean, like I said, West Ham. And Kyle, how do you think the Man City-Chelsea matchup is going to go? Either way. I, I think way. Not, not either way as, as in like Chelsea are going to dominate or City is going to dominate. I think either... City will will run wild on Chelsea, or it's going to be a very close game. Um, I, I just I I feel like watching today, Chelsea did not play well in the first twenty minutes, and, and Spurs had control, and yeah. they lost it. And I think. City being the team that they are and the experience that they have in their side, that if they can grab hold of the game in that first 20 minutes like the Spur- like Spurs did today, that they could easily just shut Chelsea down and demoralize them. Uh, it's at, But that's any week with City against any, impo- uh, any opponent, uh, that they always just kind of have the quality in their team to put teams away early and, and kind of just make it a training session. But on the, on the flip side of that, you got Chelsea with Raheem Sterling and Cole Palmer, both ex city, especially Cole Palmer, ex city uh, Academy graduate and wasn't getting the time you wanted and, and seek to move that just this year. And so far he's been playing well and he might come out with a point to prove against Pep and City. It could really go either way. I will say, I think Chelsea assets are very hit and miss at this point. Like, I mean, 
we I think there were a lot of people that had Jackson earlier in the season and I was one of them and like he's been an XG merchant and then we see him this week get a hat trick against a nine-man Spurs team so like the metrics so like we know that I'm kind of more like a visual person I like to see other teams laid out all that stuff like in play and Luke's a lot more of a stats person and I think that like you're going to see numbers that are skewed at this point because Jackson's XG is going to kind of balance out and then in the day like I don't trust him as an FPL asset. I really don't. But I think Cole, I think Palmer is a great option, though. I mean, he's on pins. He has a very low price point. Chelsea's run going forward. I mean, I don't love the run. But, like, I mean, to have somebody on pins, that, well, like, on, that price point? On that note, Palmer and Chelsea, you know, really overall, their fixtures drastically flip at game week, let's say, 16. Right? At 16, they go Everton. Sheffield, Wolves, Crystal Palace, Luton, Fulham, and then Wolves and Crystal Palace a couple of weeks later, right? So they're going to be really popular in the near future. And I think Palmer is going to be really important to enabling people getting Slaw, Holland, um, maybe Trippier at that point. Arsenal fixtures are good well as well then too, so you can enable Saka. Um but yeah, I just I really think that Chelsea have a nice run. Um, and I don't really know what to expect from City and Chelsea, right? I, I don't think yeah. Holland is gonna be captained very he's not gonna be a high captaincy rate um next uh, week. Probably, I think you'll probably see a lot of Arsenal captains or Liverpool captains. Maybe Villa yeah. if you have Watkins, Watkins against Fulham at home. That's that's pretty spicy if you ask me. Or maybe somebody like maybe Diaby, possibly. I think you'll see some Bruno Fernandes as well. Yeah. Uh, if he's in people's teams, right? He's got to be in there in the first place. Um, Luke and Hoyland's pose for a big week. I hope so. Scores in the prem, he's going to pop off. Luke might be the team to do it. I'm just saying. Sure hope so. But after their performance against Liverpool, I'm not counting on anything <laughs> at all. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's that's honestly the thing. Like as an FPL manager, we want consistency, and that's like that's why I'm so intrigued by Bowen. He just seems like he's just like we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like like how Harry Kane would just take away at points as the season goes on, and just points here, there, here, there. Never huge totals, but I mean like consistency means a lot in FPL. It really does. And I mean the Harry Kane of last season. That's a lot this year right yeah um, he's just taking away points and he has the potential for those massive point hauls yeah um, and i think <laughs> kyle's benefited from that a lot for sure sorry west yeah. was sneezing yeah i hope you can't hear it flash just mouth breathing beside me but i don't know if we can no i can't i can't yeah um yeah but i think really that's like i think that's a pretty good overview on this upcoming week um Paul, to close it out, do you want to kind of, I don't know, do you have any final thoughts? Kyle, any final, final thoughts as well? Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. You can go first. No, I mean, I, I, I'm i with you guys. I, I think we hit everything. I think probably one of the biggest, I, I think the three biggest captains this week, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to point out. <laughs> um, I was making an appearance on the pod now. People that can't. Captain Holland and everything, but I would say maybe three captain captaincy options that I'm interested in would be Bruno Fernandez, Ollie Watkins. I mean, and honestly, Dion, uh, Saka. 
Sokka would be a, a good one. So I think those three are going to have pretty decent effective ownership compared to previous. Yeah. But yeah. I think so. Big week after after this. Yeah. Know, after- I- I don't even know how we describe this week. It's not like it's like a landslide volcano and hurricane all hit at the same time. I want a hell storm too, and there and you're pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, this helped everyone kind of work through some of the the cycle. They're not alone. <laughs> yeah. No, this no. is this is why we have pets. West, West is us. here to help everyone work through all of their issues after this game week. <laughs> yes, Finn is also here, but I don't know if he's here for us or if he's just ready to be fed. Yeah, that we're all in I, the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. West is dinner. West dinner time is coming around the corner, and because of daylight savings time, he thinks it's already dinner time. Gosh, <laughs> yes. Yep. So he was ready for breakfast at four a.m. this morning. All right. Well, um, I think closing thoughts for me that, like I always say, there's 38 game weeks. We're going into week 12. So we're not even close. We're not halfway through the season. Let's just keep perspective up and downs, keep balance as FPL owners. And just remember, we play the game for fun. This is what we do. We enjoy it. It's another way for us to embrace the Premier League, even if all the things around it, it is what it is. And I love it. I'm here for it, guys. And I've enjoyed talking to you two. Yeah. And Kyle, thanks for joining us. Um, I think my differential shout of the week before we go, Evan Ferguson. I think he gets at least a brace this weekend. Let's hope it does. We'll see. Yeah. But thank Kyle, once again, thanks for joining us. And yeah. everyone. Guys. You're welcome anytime, Kyle. Yeah, everyone, thanks for joining us, and we will be back with you all next week. All right. Bye, everybody.